right into the message. We're starting a brand new series that, that literally I have been wanting to speak on for about eight years now. Um, it has been an idea that's been rattling around in my head for a really long time. Uh, when I was back in Albuquerque as a youth pastor, and I feel like it is finally time. I don't know why God said it's time, but he said it was, so we're going to go with it. And the title of our new series is called Flannel Board Stories. Flannel Board Stories. Now, I, I, John put this together, and I really, really like it because uh, it, I, you know, it kind of looks more like when I was a kid and things like that. And the idea of this really came from, I've kind of shared this with some of you before. Uh, my grandparents used to go to a, a country church kind of in the middle of Missouri where they, where they lived on a farm. And uh, when we would go visit, we would go down and we'd have Sunday school. And there was an older lady that taught Sunday school and she always taught with a flannel board. And I always remember some of those flannel board stories. And, and she used the stories that she taught were kind of the ones that we all know, the, the, the ones that we're going to be kind of talking about in the next several weeks, and, and, um, and, and they're ones that some of us know, maybe some of us have heard hundreds of times, maybe we haven't heard them all that much, but I believe that God is wanting to bring some fresh revelation, some fresh understanding, and fresh life to these stories that maybe, even though you've heard them many, many times, that God wants to bring something new and fresh and life-giving to us during this time. So we're going to be looking at some different stories, again, that probably some of us have heard many, many times, maybe some of us haven't heard that many. But it's going to be an opportunity for us to look at these things and allow God's spirit to kind of bring, breathe some new life and some right now application into our lives. And so we're going to start at the beginning this morning. We're going to start at the story of creation. We're going to start at the beginning and the story of creation. So let's turn. If you have your Bibles, they're going to be up on the screen. We're going to start uh, by looking at Genesis 1. And obviously that's the beginning of it all. So make sure you turn to the very beginning. And uh, that's where we're going to start. But let's pray. Father, I need you to help me to share the things that you've placed on my heart. Father, the things that kind of rattle in in my heart and my head, Father, are, are kind of rattling around. But God, I need your help to begin to bring those things to a concise, understandable, relatable way that will help change our hearts and change our lives. And so, Father, I can't do that, but you can do that with, uh, with, through me. And so, Father, I pray that you would just speak through me, that you would anoint me, and that, Father, that you would help me because I definitely need your help to communicate these things. We love you so much, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we're going to start by just telling the story, okay? So as we, as we look at these things, we'll, you'll kind of get a flow as we go through these over the next couple of weeks. But the first thing we want to do is we want to tell the story of creation and of the stories that we're going to be looking at on these flannel board things. So we're going to start now. We're not going to go through every day of creation. We're going to talk about it, but we're going to kind of, uh, we'll go through every day, but we're not going to necessarily go through scripture. So if you have your Bibles or your phones, you're going to be in Genesis 1. And we're going to start with Genesis 1-1 and go through verse number 5 to start off with. So this is what it says. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now let's stop there. We're going to, as we go through this together, we're going to, we're, this is going to be a little bit different of a teaching. We're going to, as we go through the stories over the next couple of weeks, we're going to stop. I'm going to highlight some things that I feel like God has, has kind of placed on my heart. It may not be the actual main idea of the message. That'll probably come after the story has been told, but just some things that God has placed on my heart. So, so listen, as you go through this with me, I know it's going to be really easy. I know this story. I've heard this story. Let's open our hearts to what 
God wants us to see uh, uh, that maybe we haven't seen before. We know that the Bible is, is alive and it is, a, is an amazing book. And so we can turn that diamond ever so slightly and see some things that maybe we hadn't seen before. So this is what it says. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Okay, let's go on to verse 3. Thank you. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good. Then he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness night. And evening passed and morning came, marking the first day. Okay, so let's stop here for a second. We're going to talk about this a little bit later as we go. But there's a couple things I want to highlight as we look at Genesis 1, 1 through 1, 5. Okay, a couple things. Number one, what we're seeing here is something interesting. God is speaking things into existence. We obviously do not have the power to necessarily do that like God can do that. If we want something to happen, if I want to move a chair or move something or move this stool, I can't just say chair move or or stool move. I have to physically come and lift it up and move it. God here is actually speaking and things are happening. There is power in God's words. But more than that, I have a simple, very remedial question that you're going to get sick of answering as we go through this first point, but you need to remember it and go with it with me, okay? Why, if you're thought about this, why do we call the bright part Day, and why do we call the dark part night? Why do we do that? Why do we, when, when, it's, when the sun comes up and things shine, why do we call that day? And when the sun goes away and the moon comes, why do we call it night? Do you ever think about that? Why do we do that? Very simply, okay? And you'll get this point. I'm going to hammer it for a while, okay? God created it, so God gets to call it. Got it? God created it, so God gets to call it. Let's go on, okay? Let's continue on. So, let's go to the second day. On the second day, it's not going to be up on the screen, but the second day is basically starting with verse number six. God separates the waters of the earth and the waters of heaven, okay? He separates those two things out, and in the middle area, he calls that sky, Okay, he calls that sky uh, in verse number 8. And then we see an evening passed and morning came, marking the second day. Okay, another question that you're going to get sick of. I know you are. Just go with it and smile at me and act like you like me. Okay, here we go. Why do we walk around and when we look up, we say, oh, isn't that a beautiful sky? Isn't that a beautiful, oh, the sky is so blue. Why do we call that space between the walk, the stuff we walk on and the stuff above? Why do we call that Sky? Everybody know? You're going to get it. I I know you're smart. I'm going to get it. Here you go. Ready? God created it, so God gets to call it. Okay? God created it, so God gets to call it. Okay? Let's move on. Number three. Third day. This one's going to be up there, I believe. Yeah, third day. Okay? And this is very interesting here. Okay? Genesis 1, 9 through 13. Then God said, let the waters beneath the sky... Flow together into one place, so dry ground may appear. And that is what happened. God called the dry ground land, and he called the water seas, and God saw that it was good. Okay, here we go. We're going to get this. I know we're going to, I believe in you. I believe, I believe. Okay. Why do we call 
the stuff we walk on, land, and the stuff you go get in a boat in, you know, the big ones, not the law. You know, I know we call them lakes and streams, you know. But why do we call those seas or oceans? Why do we do that? What? what? I, I really want to hear this. It'll make me feel so good and sleep well tonight. Yes? So God gets to call it. God created it, so God gets to call it. Okay? Got it? Everybody understanding this? This, it, this? It'll make sense in a minute, okay? So we see, that, and God saw that it was good. Now let's go to verse number 11. Then God said, let land sprout with vegetation, every sort of seed-bearing plant, and trees that grow seed-bearing fruit. These seeds will then produce the kind of plants and trees from which they came. And that's what happened. Okay? The land produced vegetation... All sorts of seeds bearing plants and trees with seeds bearing fruit. Their seeds produce plants and trees of the same kind. And God saw that it was good. And evening passed and morning came, marking the third day. Okay, now something happens very interesting here that we need to check out, okay? Because this is something that I believe that God... We're going to talk about it a little bit later. But we begin to see this pattern that God begins to set forth and that you need to catch here, okay? What is God doing on the third day? Okay, he's, he's done this in a particular order for a particular reason, and we need to catch it. Okay? First thing God does is God produces land. Okay? He makes land. The next thing God begins to do is he begins to take plants and make vegetation. And these vegetation is very interesting. We see a word here. Now, now this is going to be overly shocking because we're still in Genesis 1.1. But this is the first time we see this word in Scripture, which would make sense. It's very early on. And that's the word produce. We see this concept of producing. So what does God do? God produces the land, which allows there to be a place for the vegetation, which the vegetation is formed in a way that as it is producing fruit, that fruit or or whatever it might be has seeds inside of it that when they are dead or move on, that they produce more fruit. We begin to see this multiplication begin to take place, that God is very much about producing things that produce things. Do you understand? Okay? If I took an apple and I cut an apple and I had one apple here, I don't know exactly, and you guys might know more than I will, I know there's more than one, but there's going to be probably four to five to six maybe seeds in that apple. Okay? If I take those seeds and I plant them in the ground, then all of a sudden, if I do it right, if I plant five seeds, I will have now five trees, which will produce a multitude of more and more and more and more apples, which I then can take all of those apples and produce and produce and produce and produce. This is the first time where we see God producing things that are going to continue to produce other things. Okay? So God produces land, which produces vegetation, which produces seed-bearing fruit, which then in turn just keep going more and more and more and more and more. Okay? And that's on the third day. Okay, we're going to jump ahead now. We're going to look at number four. Okay? Number four. Okay? Uh, so it starts basically in 14. Uh, and uh, so we're going to look at this. It says, then God produces the sky... Excuse me, he, he produces uh, signs. He basically does the seasons in day four. He does the days and the years. He basically kind of makes the calendar. And basically he also makes the, the sun 
the moon and the stars. Okay, that's day four. Okay, day five comes around and God makes fish and he makes birds. Okay, so basically he fills the waters that he's created and he fills the sky that he's created with flying things and, and other things uh, that, that are in the sea and, and the fish and all those sort of things. Okay, so that's day five. Okay, later on, and now we're going to jump into Genesis 1.26, okay? Now, in 1.26, we're going, to, we're going to talk about starting there, but we're going to first go over the fact that God, on day six, makes all the animals that live on the land, okay? So basically, it starts in uh, verse number 24. It says, let God, uh, then God said, let the earth produce every sort of animal producing offspring of the same kind. So once again... We see this concept of God creating something and that thing that is created is created to multiply and created to produce and created to make uh, more of its same kind. After God creates that and makes the animals and does all that, now we get to verse number 26. In verse number 26, it's still on day 6, God does something very interesting, okay? So let's look at verse number 26 and 28, and then we're going to jump to verse 31 as well. It says this, Then God said, Let us make human beings in our own image to be like us. Okay, this is, this is important that we catch this, and I know maybe some of you know this before, but this is where God really kind of gets the whole team together, Okay. Before, it has been God the Father speaking and things happening. At this point, as God wants to make us, he brings the team together. Who's the team? The team is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. He brings them all together, and he says, okay, here's what we're going to do. He says, let's make human beings in our own image to be like us. They will reign over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky, the livestock, and all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. Let's continue. There you go. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it, reign over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Okay? So in this now, we see this creation of us. We see this God kind of waiting to the very end to make this unbelievable creation in his own image and the image of his son and the image of the Holy Spirit. He creates us in this image, and basically that is the sixth day. Now, let's jump into Genesis 2. Now we have day number 7. In Genesis 2, starting with verse number 1 and 4, this is what it says. So the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. Okay? Completed. Done. Finished. Taken care of. On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation, so he rested from all his work. Okay? And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day when he rested from all of his work of creation. This is the account of the creation of the heavens and the earth. Okay? This is the creation. Now, let me explain to you because sometimes I think there's a little bit of misunderstanding of this idea of resting. Okay? God doesn't sleep. 
God doesn't slumber. The scriptures tell us that. But it does say here that God rested. What does that mean? What does that really look like? The best way I can describe it is this, okay? God didn't rest as he was hired or he was wore out or he needs a nap because he's been so busy. God is speaking things into existence. God is all powerful. He can handle it. Basically, what this is, is like this. If this will help you, I'm going to give you a visual to see this. Okay, it's like God created this stool and then God rested on the stool and enjoyed what he had created. Okay, I know that I've been to Alan's house a couple times and in his garage there is woodworking stuff and he's shown me some of the things that he's built and made and it's, it's really cool. It's like Alan built a chair And then Alan enjoyed and rested in his chair. He enjoyed it. He enjoyed. This is an amazing thing. We see God calling his creation not just good here, but very good. Okay, this idea or this thought that sometimes we have of God taking a nap is not really what happened. God rested in the joy of his creation. He rested in the amazingness of what he has done. And so he's, he made the chair, made the stool, and now he's enjoying this stool. Okay? He's enjoying that. And we need to understand that because it's going to matter here in a little bit as we really get into this. Okay? So... He enjoyed it. But let's remember something, okay? Let's go back. I've been nice. We haven't done it every time now, but I've kind of put it in there. But I put it in your notes. You need to remember this. Look at your notes. Remember, God created it, so God gets to call it. God created it, so God gets to call it. So let's, let's, now let's get into the section that I really want to talk about, which is in number two, and it's simply this. What can we learn from the creation story about our divine purpose? One of the things that I, I always hear about when I, when I read stuff about what it is to be a good pastor in 2020 or 2019, depending on when I'm reading it, uh, is, is giving people purpose. They're looking for purpose. They're looking for why am I here and what's going on. This is understanding in some ways from the very beginning what God's purpose is for us. And this is a divine purpose. Remember, we're made in the image of God. God is divine. God has divine purposes for us. We have a divine creator who has a divine calling and a divine purpose on our lives that we need to figure this out. Now, I'm pretty simple-minded when it comes to these things. I want to, if I want to know what God's purpose for me is as a human being, I'm going to go back to the very beginning where God put this purpose, put this calling, put this part in my life that I needed to understand and know to do these things because when he said when we do these things, this is good and more so he said it's very good. It's better than good. It's important that if we understand the calling and the purposes of God on our lives, that now if we can do those things, we can begin to understand some things that God wants to do in us and through us to make a difference in our world. But the problem is, is so many of us walk around and we don't know our purpose. We don't know our calling. We don't know what God wants us to do or what God wants us to be. And so instead of stopping, figuring it out so that we can actually have a target to hit, we kind of just wander around going, well, do I, do I go over here? Or does God want me to do 
do this, or, or maybe I should go to Africa, or whatever. This is a, a broad understanding of, of a purpose that God has for you as a divine individual that God has called because he's a divine creator. So we're going to look at these together. Number one, the first thing, there's going to be three that we're going to talk about. We are created to create and not destroy. We are created to create and not destroy. Look at Genesis 1.28. That's where we're going to be. It basically says this. I cut it down a little bit uh, so that we wouldn't look at all of it. But it says this. Be fruitful. Be fruitful. Now, what does the word fruitful mean? What is God trying to communicate to us? It basically means to be productive, to be profitable, to be a blessing, to share those things that God has given us and to multiply and allow those things to happen. The idea here of fruitful is the idea that God has taken and given us things, given us giftings and blessings to take and not to hoard and not to hold on to, but to take those things, to plant them in the ground and allow God to bring forth a harvest of righteousness and blessings and other things. Listen, our job here is not to get how much stuff we can get, hoard it, and die. Our job here is to take the things that God has given us and give more than what we've received back. If you look at some of the stories that Jesus told when it comes to talents, it's about investing those things so that God can do those things. And we all have giftings and we all are creative. And here's the thing, sometimes I find people that disagree with me on that. They say, Aaron, listen, I, I'm not creative. I'm, I'm not creative. Aaron, I, I'm, I don't have talents. I don't, I don't have the ability to do things. And I truly believe all of us are given by God talents. Here's the problem, okay? Here's the situation which has become even worse in the world that we live in. The reason why a lot of us feel like we don't have talents is because we compare the talents we have with the talents that other people have. We're comparers. We look at those things and we go, well, I, I can't do what this person does. Or I can't do the things that this person does. And we compare it. And because we compare these things, we feel like we don't have anything to offer. Hey, listen, can you, can you hear me on this? Okay, I, 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 you, you know this. I'm not a huge big fan of, of all the social media stuff. I never have been. I, I never will be. But you got to be careful with that stuff because it is so easy to begin to compare yourself to others. Or, or listen, I've seen this also in, in churches, is, is churches will compare themselves to other churches. Well, well, my church is doing this. Well, my church is doing that. And it's not a situation, unfortunately, where it's, hey, isn't this exciting? God's using our church to do this. It's a comparison. It's my church is better than your church, or my pastor is better than your pastor, or this or that. And you know what? That is destructive, and it destroys we are created to create because our creator is a creator. We are created in his image and all of us have that ability to do something great, to do something amazing. Every single person has that. Now, we know that because God created us that way and we know that God is creative because we've seen his creation. But we can also create other things, we usually think about we creating things, oh, I'm going to create art, or I'm going to create music, or I'm going to create this or that. But there's some other things here that I think we need to understand that, that will help us in this idea of creating versus destroying. And it's simply this, it's in your notes. Every time God wanted to create something, he spoke it into existence. Okay? 
Sometimes I, you probably heard me pray, and I'll, sometimes I'll pray and I'll say, God, the, the, the God that spoke the very world into existence. God spoke it. Why is this important for us today as someone that's created in the image of God? Simply this, words are powerful. Words have the ability to create love, to create joy, to create mercy, to create uh, amazing things, or they can be created for curses and death and destruction. Words matter. Words are powerful. Words are strong. Look at this. I, I put it up here. Genesis 1, 3, 6, 9, 11, 14, 20, 24, 26, 28, 29. Then God said. It doesn't say then God made. It doesn't say then God took his hands and did all these things. We were, we were Easton and Emily and I, we were watching a show. And this is horrible when you realize, oh my goodness, I just told my son something unbiblical. I didn't mean to, but I did, okay? We were watching this beautiful show about the earth, and, and, and it, was, it was really cool. It was really beautiful. And they were showing these mountains. And as I'm watching this, it literally looked to me like the mountains kind of, you know, like mountains are different shapes depending on the mountains. But it looked like somebody took their hands and, and just kind of went like this. You know, because the peaks kind of came up. And I'm sure they were wider, you know. But it looked really, really like this, really small. And it looked like somebody just went. Whoop. And I looked at Easton and I said, Easton, do you think that God, when he formed that mountain, went like this? And you know what his response was? Maybe, yeah, I could see that. The problem is, God didn't do that. God just said, mountain, there, land, appear, and it did. There is power in our words because we are created by a creator who has the power of words. There is authority in the things that we say. Look at Proverbs 18, 21. This is what it says. The tongue has the power of life and death. Now listen, I want you to stop and I want you to think. If you think of our world today, okay, life and death, I mean, that is the extreme, isn't it? The writer of Proverbs here doesn't say it has the power of yeah, feeling okay and feeling not okay. Life and death. He says, and those who love it will eat of its fruits. The power of the tongue. Look at James 3. In James 3, 2, and then we're going to jump to 7 and 10. It says this. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect. Stop there for a second and look at that. The, James here is saying, if we could control our tongues, everything else would fall into place. There is power in the tongue. There is power in what we say. We would be perfect and also control ourselves in every other way. Every other way. Now let's jump to verse 10. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish. But no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessings and cursings come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Listen, you want 
to fulfill the calling and the divine purpose that God has placed on your life. If you want to be a creator of good things and, and blessings and life, you've got to watch your tongue. Is that easy? No. We just saw how hard this is. It is unbelievably difficult. But here's the thing. We can do better a little bit today. We can have God help us a little bit today. We can do a little bit better today. But listen, this is not one of those things that just magically happens. It has got to be intentional. Because we understand as a created being, as someone who is going to create life or death, that is something that takes place over time and and practice and work. And we've got to allow God to help us in that. Okay? Number one, we were created to create, not destroy. And our words have the power to do that. Either one, we have the power to do it. Number two, we are created to multiply, not divide. We are created to multiply. Then God said, let them, uh, let, uh, said to, the, to us as human beings, be fruitful. Obviously, that was number one. And number two, multiply. Multiply. I want, and this is interesting here because once again, let's go back to how God created things. God didn't create an apple tree to produce one apple, which then would produce one tree and one apple and one apple and one apple. From the very beginning of time, from the very beginning of how God made it to be, God produces these trees that have hundreds of fruit on them that then again could drop that fruit and produce hundreds more and hundreds more. Listen, I'm not good at math. I was horrible at math. That is not addition to me. That's multiplication. That is God taking two and two and not getting, uh, that that wouldn't work actually, taking three and two and getting five, but taking three and two and getting six. And then allowing that to go and multiply and multiply and multiply. Uh, we, were, we were just talking with Easton. He's starting to, in school, he's getting, starting to get into multiplication and, and, and all these things and trying to explain that. He understands math. He understands subtraction. But multiplication is a brand new thing. He's like, well, what do you mean you take three and two and, 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 and all these things? But here's the thing. God has called us as people to be multipliers. Okay. Now you go, Aaron, how, how is that possible? How can I multiply? I mean, I'm just trying to add. Listen, with God's help, you can multiply. With God's direction and calling, you can multiply. But listen, if you don't walk in the calling of God, if you don't allow and walk in the purposes of God, you're going to find it very, very hard to multiply. In fact, a lot of times what we end up doing is we end up dividing at that point. We end up dividing in those things. We say, no, no, God. God, I know what's better. Or I know what's best. Or I, I, I can figure this out on my own. Where God says, listen, if you want to multiply, if you want to produce in the way that I have called you to produce, you're going to have to root yourself in me. Remember what Jesus said. He said, he said you gotta, you got to graft yourself in to the vine. you got to be a part of that. If you want to produce much fruit, you got to get in with him and allow him to do in you what he needs to do. Okay, look at, look at Genesis uh, 1.12. It says this, and this is what we talked about. It says, the land produced vegetate, vegetate, I need to slow down, vegetation of all sorts of seeds bearing plants and trees with seed bearing fruit. Their seeds produce plants and trees of the same kind. And God saw that it was good. Listen, God's favorite subject in math is multiplication. Okay? He loves multiplication. Doesn't necessarily like, that's okay, but he likes multiplication. Look at Acts 12. 
Okay? In Acts 12, 24, it says this, But the word of God increased and multiplied. It increased and multiplied. It didn't increase and just add. It increased and multiplied. And look at Hebrews 6. This is a great story. Okay, we're, we, we, we may or may not, you'll have to wait and see, see if we're going to talk about Abraham. But in Hebrews 6, 13 and 14, it says this. For example, there was God's promise to Abraham. Since there was no one greater to swear by, God took an oath by his own name saying, I will certainly bless you and I will multiply your descendants beyond number. Listen and hear me. Abraham is not special in this. Do you understand that? Do you hear me in that? God's promise to us, if we will walk in his calling and walk in his purposes and walk in the plan that he has, his promise to us is a multiplication beyond number. Multiplication beyond number. And we've got to walk in that and enjoy that and allow that. Not be dividers, but but allow God to multiply in us and through us into something great. And the last one, the last one. And this one's a big one. You think, well, those other ones were big. Well, yeah, this one's big too. We were created to rest in what has been created and multiplied. We were created to rest in what has been created and multiplied. Look at Genesis 2.2. It says, on the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation, so he rested from all of his work. Now, uh, uh, listen, we're bad at this, okay? Have you ever... um, and I, when I say we're bad at this, a lot of Americans are bad at this. The Western world are bad at this. You know what I've found? When I have, and I haven't done it very often, or, or when I've talked to people that have, when they've traveled abroad, one of the things that I realized was how absolutely horrible we are at resting. We, we are busy, and we are doing. And listen, I'm not saying that God's called us to be lazy. Okay. If you notice here, God, quote unquote, works producing and multiplying for six days. He takes the seventh to rest and enjoy what he has done, what he has produced. What he, he is sitting there going, wow, look, look at this. It's, the, I can, you just see God, boy, this is, this is good. Man, this, this is very good. This is very good. And he's just watching it and he's experiencing it and he's, he's loving it. The problem that we have is, is we, we, we work all seven days. And you go, well, no, I don't. I, I work five days a week. Listen, this is more than just going to a job or a school. This is about being able to sit back and enjoy what God has doing in us and through us. Okay? And you, that, that, listen, and listen, that may fly into some of your theology. I'm going to be flat honest. That may, no, 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 we're supposed to be busy. We, we got to be much fruit. We got, listen, listen, God blesses a couple things here. And one of the things that he blesses at the very beginning and calls it good is a day of rest. God has called us to rest. And listen, listen, I'm just going to be flat honest with you, okay? I talked to the board about this when we met in January. And I'm going to have to talk about it again when we meet on Wednesday. And I'm going to not know what to say. I am horrible at this. I don't rest very well. And I'm going to speak on my own behalf here. There's a reason why I'm so horrible at resting. Because a lot of times I don't trust 
the calling and the multiplication that God promised me. And so I have a hard time resting. I don't see the things I want to see. Or I look at other churches. Or I look at other people. Or I look at their gifts. I, I, everything I shared so far in point one and two, I don't do very well. And therefore, I have a very hard time resting. Because you know what? To me, it's not good enough. It's not good enough. And if I just prayed harder, if I just worked harder, if I just... Listen. God has been working in my heart and he's trying to help me to understand a couple of things. And one of them is to understand that I was created to, to be able to rest. And not just rest physically, but rest in what God is doing spiritually. That's hard. That's hard. But it is a command of God to rest. Listen, what does Jesus say? He says, I came... To give you life and life to the fullest. What is Jesus saying here? Listen, can I, can I help with it? God didn't just give us kids or give us family or give us grandkids or give us friends for no reason. He gave them this to us so that we could actually enjoy them. Laugh together. Smile together. Enjoy life together. Listen, let me help you with this. I think we can all understand this. Me and my wife, okay? We multiplied and had Easton. How horrible would it be if I was so busy with the things of God and the things of church that I didn't watch him grow up? That I missed it. You think that's what God has for us? You think that God, when God said very good, he thought, yeah, very good, burnout, very good, working, your, working so hard trying to produce something that only I can produce. Yes, that's very good. No. Why does God produce Eve in the first place? Because Adam's alone. God's with him, but he says it's not good. God produces Eve in Adam's life to have a relationship with, to enjoy those things. You don't think, please hear me, you don't think that Adam didn't enjoy the creation of Eve? You don't think that Eve enjoyed the creation of Adam? Listen, let's be honest, folks. A lot of us are really, really good at producing chairs. We're really good. We can make some really nice chairs. But then you know what we do? We run off to find the next one. Oh, I gotta build another one. I gotta build this and I gotta do this. I gotta. No, there's gonna be moments where God has called us. It's okay to sit in the chair and enjoy what God has done, what God has created. And here's the thing here's what's so awesome God has produced some absolutely beautiful things in your life. And listen, if you can't see them, I'm just going to be honest. You're focusing on the wrong things. Because God in every life. Aaron, I have struggles. We all do. Aaron, I have things that are hard. Yes, exactly right. But God has produced some amazing things. What if, what if as individuals we decided, hey, yeah, we're to be busy. We don't want to be lazy. We need to be about our father's business. Yes, yes, yes. But we also held as tightly to those convictions as we did as the conviction to rest. How could that change your life? Because I know it would change mine. 
Having a life where, where you're watching your grandkids run around and, 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 and you aren't worried about this or that. You're just so focused on, on loving them and being with them. You come home from work. I had a professor at school who taught me this, and I'm horrible at it. And, and he, he, he said when, when he would come home, and, and he was a pastor, and, and it, that's, that can be a hard job, but he had a long driveway, uh, kind of like an old farmhouse, and he had a, a mailbox. And, and, and he was, it was his conviction. It was what he worked on. He didn't always do it perfectly, but he worked on it. That every time before he drove down that driveway, he would sometimes actually physically stop, open the mailbox, and put the cares and put the worries and put the things that needed to be in there. He put them in the mailbox. He would physically shut that mailbox so that when he walked into his home, he could be fully present and fully enjoy the love of his life and his family. But we don't do that. Now, why? Why is that so hard? I think for some of us, and and especially for me, we have a very hard time with allowing God and allow, or excuse me, for, for us to be walking in the call that God has called us in. Can, can I just be honest with you? Listen, hear me here. And, and I know I'm kind of preaching to the choir and, and, and stuff like that, but, but I'm just going to just be honest. And, and if I'm wrong, hey, great, I'm wrong. Okay, but I don't think this is going to come as a big shock to anybody here. I don't think God has called us to be a church of 10,000 people. I don't think He has. Now, if he does that, hey, great. You're going to find a new pastor because I'm going to lose my mind, okay? That's his call, not mine. But you know what's silly? And I'm just, again, I'm just open my heart. I've tried to do things probably to get us there. And I've walked out of my calling. I've walked out of worrying about the things that God wants me to worry about. Now, I don't know what necessarily God's called us to be as a church. I don't know. I believe, I know, I know this. I know he's called us to be healthy. A healthy church. And I believe when healthy sheep and healthy churches, then, then that's when you see multiplication. And, and, and where are we on that scale? I wish I could say, oh yeah, we're close. We, I, that, listen, hear me here. That's, that's, that's God's call. And I'm just trying to hear his voice. But I truly believe, I truly believe that as individuals and as a church, if we can walk in these things, if we can go back to the purpose that God gave us from the beginning, if we can go back and we can worry about these things, worrying about creating, worrying about understanding that that our words have that power to create. Listen, seriously, driving in today, nobody's going to be here. It's snowing, it's cold, no, no one's going to be here. You know what I was doing? I was speaking death. I was speaking curses. Easton started it, and, and Emily, in her sweet way of not basically saying, hey, 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 sweetheart, dummy, stop it. Easton started doing the same thing, and, and she said, Easton, no, we're not saying those things. Why? Why? Because she understood something I missed, that those words have power. What we say has the ability to do that. We can create something awesome with our words. Next, we create, we multiply, we don't divide. It's so easy to do that, but we can't. And then the final thing is when we do those things, when we create, when we are fruitful, when we multiply, then we rest and enjoy what God is doing. 
We don't rest for, 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 for the rest of our lives. We rest. This is important. We rest on the seventh day. And then when Monday comes around, okay, it's time to go to work again. It's time to do these things. It's time to be busy about my father's house in my father's business. I love this in Matthew 28, and we'll close with this. The worship team wants to come up. Then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Now, now I want you to stop, and I want you to think about something very simple, because sometimes when we've done this, you know, there's been some things that we've done. Why does Jesus have to offer us rest? Because we don't have it. We were created to have it. We were commanded to have it. But we're not walking in the calling that we have. And we're carrying heavy burdens. And we're carrying heavy loads. And we're doing all these things, trying to match up, trying to be something, trying to... to... Listen, God has called us to work and be a part and produce fruit Yes, and multiply, yes, but also to rest in the promises of God. Rest in the promises of God. And here's what God has promised us. Do me a favor. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to focus on this. Here's what God has promised you and me and every human being. You see, God doesn't say do something and not give us the help we need to accomplish it. You understand that? That is one of the beautiful things about our Father. He doesn't say, go build a bridge, I'll see you later. He says, let's go build a bridge, and I'm going to be right there handing you bricks and working with you and telling you where to put them. Here's what God has promised us. God has promised us if we will stay in Him, if we will root our lives in Him, We will not just produce fruit. We will produce much fruit. Much fruit. You say, Aaron, I'm not producing fruit. Okay, that's fair. And I appreciate your honesty. What does that mean? Simply, I don't know if you're rooted enough in Jesus. Okay? Is that a horrible, terrible thing? No, I think we all go through it. We we, we have to realize it and get rooted again in God. But Jesus has promised us much fruit. But unfortunately for some of us, we've walked out of the purpose, we've walked out of the calling, we've walked out of these things from God has for us, and we cannot understand why in our lives we're not producing fruit. The promise was fruit. The problem is, is we've gotten out of touch with the God that produces it. That's the first promise. Fruitful. Number two, multiply. You see, when we take care of the first thing, my God is so big and so strong and so amazing. He doesn't work in addition. One of the things I am so excited about when we get to heaven, and you need to get excited about this too because this is about you too is the people that we are going to meet and God's going to show us the multiplication. You don't always get to see the multiplication, folks. You don't always get to see your actions and your worth and how much they matter. You don't always get to see it. 
but you will one day. You have to trust that our God doesn't work in addition. He works in multiplication. And that God has called you. And God has created you to be a creator. And God has created you to make a difference and to produce and to multiply. Listen, we walk in those things. You're going to be amazed at how easy it is on that seventh day to rest. You are going to be blown away. But listen, hear me here. If you don't do the first part, the second part will be nearly impossible. And you will not be able to walk in the rest that God has called us to. And can I help us with something? I know I'm going long and I apologize, but this is important, I think. I just, I, this is not in my notes. I just feel like God placed this on my heart. The world that we're trying to reach do not handle one and two very well. Okay? They aren't walking in the promises of God. They're not walking in the calling of God. They're not working about, they're not worried about multiplication. They're worried about keeping it all for themselves. They, they, they are, they are that. Listen here, hear me here. This is important. You need to catch this. If we are just like them, we have nothing to offer them. Did you hear what I just said? Why, why does the church, why do Christians sometimes have such a hard time? Why sharing faith and evangelism? Why, why, why? Because we are no different than they are. You see, one of the great things that we get to offer people is resting in Jesus. Is Jesus coming? Say, listen, come to me, those that are heavy, that are weary, that are tired, that aren't walking in their calling. Come to me. I will give you the ability to rest. Listen, if we aren't going to get the first couple things down, there's no way that we're going to have something to offer this world that desperately needs the rest that only Jesus can give. You know it and I know it. There are people wandering around this planet trying to find rest in a whole bunch of different stuff. And they're coming up empty because rest, blessed rest can only come through Jesus Christ. So if you're tired this morning, if you're weary this morning, if you've been trying, you've been comparing yourself to others and, and, and you haven't been happy with what God called you to be and you've tried your own, listen, listen, it's time for all of us, for all of us to walk in the calling of God. I'm gonna bring it up again. Listen to me, hear me here. God created you and God called you. Walk in your calling. I don't know what that calling necessarily is for all of us, but I know he's called us all. I know that he's called us to be fruitful and multiply. Start there. How God chooses to work that in your life, that's okay, that's up to him. But you, be fruitful and multiply. Walk in your calling and then rest. And then rest in knowing that God's got you. Let's pray. Father, we come to you right now and we thank you. Father, we thank you for the promises that you gave us. We thank you for the purpose that you gave us. Man, there's so many of us that walk around and we're looking for purpose. We're looking for something. And the bottom line is, is God, you've given it to us. We just got to walk in it. 
And when we walk in it, when we accomplish that, God, when we do that, God, that rest that only comes from you can flow and we can begin to enjoy those people and enjoy those situations, enjoy the things that you have multiplied, enjoy the things that have taken place and that you have done in us, that have been created in us and through us. But God, sometimes we have a hard time, so help us. Help me. I definitely need your help in this. I need your help. God, you're so good and we love you so much. Let's all stay.